1: I feel like we can run the
0: table. We're to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for FanRag Sports, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers, and you can find all of the podcast content at LockedOnPackers.com. It is Monday of Super Bowl week. And the Super Bowl week part is not particularly relevant for Packers fans because their team is not playing. And the good news is either are the Vikings, although the game is in Minneapolis, because that would have truly added insult to injury in uh, a, a very literal way in this case. So this show is going to be dedicated to going through the Packers free agents and what are they going to do with their own guys? We do know that one of the hallmarks of this front office under Ted Thompson was maintaining, was keeping the guys that they brought in, that they developed. The draft and develop philosophy is we get the guys, we draft them, and we pay them. That is how the draft and develop philosophy works. And Ted Thompson, and particularly Ted Thompson with the help from Russ Ball, who is still in the front office, did an excellent job of negotiating contracts that almost immediately became under market. Now, not everyone has lived up to their contract. I think, you know, that's why we're having these discussions about Clay Matthews, about Randall Cobb, about Jordy Nelson and and what maybe the Packers can do to make those contracts a little bit more team friendly at this point. I don't I don't know what they're going to do there. That's not what we're going to look at. There are a number of players who are free agents who played key roles on this team. Fewer now after they they re-upped with Devontae Adams and with Corey Lindsley. Now, there are are three types of free agents, basically. There's unrestricted free agents. Those guys can sign with anyone. There's restricted free agency. Teams offer uh, what's called a tender. And those tenders have rounds um, on them or are right of first refusal. So the way this works is if you put a first-round tender on a guy, and a team signs him to an offer sheet that the the Packers don't match, then that team has to give up the round of pick that the offer sheet was worth. It's a little it's a little weird and and in some ways I think silly, but it, that's what a restricted free agent is. And then there's um, exclusive rights free agents, and exclusive rights free agents is. Usually, you get a one-year contract at the league minimum. And if the tender is issued, then that player can't negotiate with any other team. And they either need to sign the tender or they need to work out a deal with the team. But they they can't um, negotiate with any team in that window. As of March 14th, any exclusive right free agent who isn't tendered by the team, becomes a full-on free agent. So if the Packers don't tender some of these guys, and you'll hear the phrase non-tendered, which means the, the the team in question just chose not to extend any kind of offer, they're free agents. The Packers, because they they bring in a lot of young players, undrafted free agents are the ones that that most often become this exclusive right free agent, and the Packers have a lot of those guys. So it's it shouldn't be surprising that they also have a lot of these exclusive right free agents. So let's start on offense, because there's there's this is a longer list, and it starts with uh, Jari Evans. Now, they they gave him a one year deal as a as a potential stopgap right guard, and and you know losing T.J. Lang and Josh Sitton in back to back seasons you would have thought that, that that would have been a big blow for this offense. It wasn't because Lane Taylor played well and because Jari Evans played well. Now, he wore down as the season went on, and as a veteran, you kind of expect that to happen. I think the play of a lot of veterans waned in the second half of the season, especially once Rodgers went out again because, look, they're not, they're not fighting for anything. And most of the guys that are you know on this team, that have been on this team for a long time, they're used to fighting for something in December. They're used to playing for a playoff spot. And they weren't doing that. What is his asking price going to be? We don't know. If they can get him back on a similar deal, maybe even a, a two-year deal, it seems like he has something in the tank and he could help this team. They do not have a ready-made replacement. Although, as I said, I think Justin McCray played well enough that that they could just say, you know what? Jari Evans is not going to be back. We're going to go young. Justin McRae, you're now our, our right guard. And I think they should be, you know, th- they're not thrilled. But they should feel okay about that. They should feel fine. He really, I mean, Mike McCarthy called him the MVP of the team at one point. Or at least was in the discussion because he had played so many spots. And we just stopped talking about him because he didn't he didn't kill them. Justin McRae is one of those exclusive rights free agents. And I I fully expect the Packers to tender him and then negotiate some sort of contract, whether it's a year or two years or whatever it is. We don't, you know, that part is less relevant. The question that I'm interested in is, will they be back? So I I think with Jari Evans, it would be out of character for Ted Thompson to bring him back. We don't know what Brian Gudekinst is going to do. We don't know how he's going to approach older players. Older players are generally not guys you re-sign. He did his job for the one year. But if he wants to play still, and he thinks he can, and he should. He played well enough last year. I think Green Bay should be interested in bringing him back. If for no other reason, then McCray really is the only other guy that they have that could play that spot, unless unless they think Spriggs is a guard. And that's possible. I don't think he is. But it would certainly being a guard might help mitigate some of his lateral quickness issues. But so we'll see what happens with Jari Evans. Not all of these are, are as interesting as, as that one is. Jeff Janis, I think he walks. And I think he walks because I think a team is going to pay him like a receiver and Green Bay has no interest in playing him at receiver. He's a special teams guy on this team. And they're, I'm sure they'll be willing to pay him as a, as a rotational special teams guy. But I think someone is going to see the physical tools and say, we're going to give that guy a chance to play receiver on our offense. And, you know, I don't think he is as useless as the Packers make it seem like he is. But that doesn't mean that they should bring him back. Richard Rodgers is in the same boat in that they clearly wanted to get better. That's why they signed two guys in the offseason. And I don't see the value. He knows the offense, yes. But he, he can't block, and he's slow. So all he can do is catch. Well, you can find plenty of tight ends who can catch. If that's, all, if, if that's the only prerequisite, then the bar is not very high. And it's hard for me to believe that, that what needs to happen is that he needs to be back. I just don't see it. Geronimo Allison is an exclusive rights free agent. I think they absolutely will, will make that tender and negotiate some sort of deal we're going to see, you know, he's got to be able to stay healthy. He's got to be more consistent. But he is more than panned out given, you know, that, that, that they didn't have to use a draft pick on him, that they brought him in and he contributed, especially when Aaron Rodgers was in there. He contributed and he has overcome the athletic deficiencies that it seemed like he had. I think he can be a rotational player for them and and they'll have to figure out what they think is a fair price for him. In terms of impact players, that's the list. Ulrich John is a free agent. I, you know, I don't think I, anyone needs to have a strong opinion on how that's going to go. Now, there there are a number of other exclusive rights free agents, and I think that some of them are are interesting cases. Joe Callahan, Michael Clark, Joe Carriage, Adam Pankey, and Lucas Patrick are all also exclusive rights free agents. I really don't want Joe Callahan back on this team, but that doesn't mean that Mike McCarthy's obsession with Joe Callahan. Won't make sure that he's back on the team, and I think Michael Clark has has proven that he is intriguing enough from a skill set perspective and a physical tools perspective that he should be brought back. You know, sign him on a tender. Worst case scenario, it's a, a one year deal, and you figure out what to do later. Give him some, some, you know, another season training camp reps, all that stuff, and maybe he can be a contributor for you. Maybe he can be an outside receiver. And, and contribute in this offense with Aaron Rodgers and then I I do think Lucas Patrick who who did came who came in and played at various points had had a serious injury that he was dealing with but he played in that Bears game where the Packers played with five didn't have a single offensive tackle they played with five guards basically and he's a rotational offensive lineman and those those guys have value so i think he'll be tendered and he'll be back on a contract the packers don't have a lot of holes to fill in terms of departing free agents one starter that is the, that is the way that this team has been managed and that's great from a continuity standpoint and it could be that that justin mccray who started a bunch of games for them this year and had to play in a lot of games is the is the starter and they'll, they'll basically you know lose nothing in terms of continuity. I think that that they would rather have someone like Evans, someone with a little bit better pedigree, but they could also draft someone. There's a lot of things in play here. I think they, they could use a talent infusion on the interior. Before we move on, I want to remind you about our pro football focus edge giveaway. We are giving away a Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. That's a $39.99 value. And all you have to do to enter the contest is put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes. Leave us, a, leave us a nice review, give us five stars, and you'll be entered to win all the data that's behind the paywall, fantasy projections, rankings, tools, NFL draft coverage. All of that is there for you if you win our contest. And all you have to do to be entered to win our contest is put your name and your Twitter handle in a review on iTunes.
2: The reopening is right around the corner, and there's a chance that no one has seen your balls in months. Don't ruin your first post-quarantine date with a ball fro. Would you show up on the first day of school without a haircut? Every three months, making sure your trimmer stays fresh and clean so you can, too. There is a light at the end of the tunnel, so treat yourself for making it through quarantine with the Lawn Mower 3.0. Get 20% off, plus free shipping with the code LOCKEDON at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the promo code LOCKEDON. ON
1: Subscribe or follow today wherever you get your podcasts.
0: The questions on defense are much more intriguing to me because there are two starters who are free agents and two critical rotation players. So Morgan Burnett is the big name. How do the Packers handle that? Well, they drafted Josh Jones a year in advance. He showed some flashes last year. What is he going to look like in Mike Pettin's defense? We don't know. Now, Mike Pettin likes to use multiple safeties, so Morgan Burnett makes a lot of sense, someone who can play some corner. He's not going to command as much on the open market as the projections. He's just not valuable enough as a playmaker. Doesn't have, you know, he's a versatile, quality, solid player, but he's not a difference maker. And I think, you know, I, I really just made the case why they could move on, because he is solid, and his best attribute is that He knows the defense. He's reliable. And reliable players have value. But what's the ceiling of a player like that? And if you're going to give him a big money contract, how is he going to live up to that contract? We'll see. Devon House is the other name. We talked about it last week during our our cornerback eval. I think it makes sense to bring him back because they just don't have a lot of other options. Quentin Rollins can't play. They already gave Ladarius Gunter the boot. So in terms of guys with experience, that leaves Demarius Randall. That's the full list. Kevin King is a rookie who didn't even play a full rookie season. And he'll be coming off shoulder surgery. So it makes sense to bring back a guy who's not going to cost a ton, who is still relatively young, and who's going to excel in a man coverage defense. That's going to be where he wins the most, and so that's what they're going to let him do. The signing of Ahmad Brooks was was underrated. And could have been better if Brooks had stayed healthy. The nagging back injury really undercut his ability to be a contributor. But that was the kind of signing we had wanted to see from Ted Thompson, and he made it. Now it didn't pay off, at least in a big way. And Ahmad Brooks is getting up there in age. I don't think he's back, but I could see them going out and signing another veteran edge player to a you know a low a low value contract. Similar to what Brooks was in terms of he can just be a rotation guy. Just put someone in the lineup who can give you some snaps. And the other interesting one is Quentin Dial. Because that was not a a big name signing when it happened, but the Packers made it. He was a solid rotational defensive lineman. Those guys have value. And the Packers haven't had solid rotational guys. They have a very good defensive line right now with Clark and Daniels and Lowry they need some other pieces in there and i think they'll draft someone but he may not be a high pedigree guy you know maybe 4th 5th 6th 7th round pick undrafted free agent having quality veteran rotational players just just provides depth it provides leadership it provides a professionalism that you just can't recreate i think talent is important but what they've what they've lost in going strictly draft and develop is the value of having a veteran who understands the game, who knows how to practice. I mean, Julius Peppers, his, his presence had ripple effects because he practiced hard. He prepared a certain way. Charles Woodson, when he was signed, he brought in a, a mentality. Hard work, that professionalism, someone to look up to, a standard to uphold. When all you do is bring in new guys year after year after year, Who is the veteran that that you can point to and say, this is how we do things in Green Bay, aside from Aaron Rodgers? You need those guys at every... And they don't even have to be the best players. It helps when your hardest working guys are your best guys, because that sets a tone. But just to have veteran NFL players on your roster, guys who, who can show the ropes to the young players, this is how we do things. That has value. The rest of the free agents, you know, I'm not sure are are that particularly interesting. Dimitri Goodson, that's a failed experiment. Former basketball player. Joe Thomas, backup linebacker, special teams guy. Struggled with injury this year. I think with Blake Martinez ascending and the idea that they want to play a lot of nickel with multiple safeties and things of that nature. I just think the value of Joe Thomas, you know, declines. But I don't think he's going to cost very much either. And he can be a special teams contributor and a backup linebacker. And that has value. So I think he gets signed. And then there's a couple of exclusive rights free agents. Donatella Brown, who is a um, an undrafted free agent that we didn't really get to see much of. Same for Herb Waters. And then Jermaine, Jermaine Whitehead was playing snaps for the Packers. Playing safety. Playing some slot corner. He's an exclusive rights guy. And, you know... He he wasn't terrible. He, I I didn't understand why he was the one playing in the slot rather than Josh Jones. A lot of things. A lot of things. Dom Capers really went out swinging with some weird, weird stuff. Bizarre. Two starters. And, and really, it's not even fair to call Devon House a starter because by the end of the year, it was Randall and King who were the top two corners. Now you're still a, you're still a starter if. You're the third corner in the NFL, technically, because teams play so much nickel. But at the end of the year, the Packers were, were playing a lot of Morgan Burnett. And so if Morgan Burnett is in the slot, then you could just have Randall and King on the outside. I think House comes back just because they need him. They need bodies. And they don't have a ton of bodies at corner. You hear me do ad raids on the show all the time. That helps keep the lights on. At Locked On Packers HQ, and I, and I, I appreciate you not fast forwarding through them. And I would appreciate it, you know, if you entered the contests and do those things too. But if you want to advertise on Locked On Packers, we have a growing audience, we have an engaged audience, and we have reasonable rates for advertisers. We have a growing female audience, but we do have a mostly male audience in that key demographic, and we can help your business, or at least we can try. I have this platform. I am lucky to have this platform. Let me use my platform for you. Email me at peter underscore at yahoo.com, and we can discuss the details. Our rates are reasonable. Come be part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm already starting to get draft questions, and, and it didn't take long before Packers Twitter was already going deep cut. Someone asked me about the Richmond QB the other day. I was like, guys... You got to you got to give me some time here. I go deep. Okay? And I'm going to I'm going to know a lot about the guys that I know about and I'm going to watch about the top 150 players. I'm not going to know much about every guy. Just this is just a warning. The guys I do know about, I'm going to know a lot about cuz I go deep. And I'll have watched and I'll have taken notes and it's all there and I'll have takes and I'll have thoughts. And I'll say they make sense for the Packers or they don't. I'm not gonna know everyone yet. And I'm just I'm I'm just not gonna know everyone. Full stop. I don't know. I I want you to I want you to continue to ask the questions. I just want you to understand where I'm coming from on this. Give me some time. Let me work through these prospects. There's a lot of them. So I, you know, I'm I'm going to be focusing on the top tier guys to start, the top hundred guys, the guys that are going to go in the first three, you know, two days of the draft, the guys that are going to be impact players or are supposed to be impact players at the next level. Obviously, there are going to be impact players that go rounds four through seven. There's going to be impact undrafted free agents. It happens every year. I just need you to understand, and I think you know we're going to keep track of a number of guys. Because Packers fans are interested in the players that are being talked about with their teams. If you look at the mocks right now, a lot of Derwin James at 14, a lot of Roquan Smiths at 14, Marcus Davenports, Harold Landry, Josh Jackson. These are all interesting names, and and we're going to keep track of them. So if there's a name that that you want me to keep track of, talk about some news, talk about some, you know, when, when I have a full scouting report on these guys. We're gonna go over them later in the in the off season once we get into a full draft season like I'm, there's gonna be someone every week at least that we're gonna go through that could fit that could make sense whether it's day one, day two, day three. Guys that could be Packer guys we are gonna we are gonna go in on and I'm gonna make sure that you know what I know and you hear what I've been hearing. And the big news from last week was Marcus Davenport at the Senior Bowl. It was his opportunity. This is a UT, a UT San Antonio guy, small school guy, but was productive against Power 5 conferences. Our Power 5 teams had a great game against Baylor, against Texas A&M. But so this was his opportunity to go and shine, and he didn't on the first the first two days of practice. Got beat up. Plays high. Lacks refinement. We're going to get into a lot of scouting, nerdy scouting terms i'm I'm gonna try and not overload you with them, but i I do think that some of them are are useful and some of them can can provide you some context and clarity and a better understanding of what you're looking at when you watch the game, which again is always my goal. But then on Thursday, Davenport started to to pick it up and then in the game, they couldn't block him. So it's interesting that in in those one on one situations with generally favored defenses because, Most of the time, you are not going to get a two-way go against an offensive lineman. And that should make the rep easier to win for a defensive player. But then in the game, he's a guy who is 6'6", 260, can run, can move, can cover, can rush the passer. Bull rusher, violent with his hands, active, relentless motor. He's an effort guy with great athletic tools. And he's raw. And so I can understand why other power five, especially, senior guys with more polish, offensive players, offensive linemen who have better technique, they're not going to get overpowered. You got to have a plan against those guys. But in a game, when the adrenaline's going and they got to think about, oh, who am I going to block? Where where am I going to go? When the lights came on, that was when he performed. And that's what you care about. And I said, you know, I have, he is one of the guys I have studied. I I love him. I I would love him at 14 for Green Bay. Three days of practice and and an exhibition game is not going to change my opinion on what I saw from him on tape. And what I saw is a potential star. So a couple bad practices, that's not going to sway my judgment. I understand the inconsistencies and some of the technique issues. He can play high at times. He can also kick ass at times. He is an ass kicker, and he plays with an edge, and he plays like his hair's on fire. You can teach a guy where to put his hands. You can't teach 6'6", 270, and can move. We're going to be back tomorrow to talk more about all things Packers. We're going to do another position review. I think we're going to do that on Tuesday, and then we'll leave Thursday for news. So tomorrow, we're going to go through the safeties, and we'll talk more about Morgan Burnett. I know we talked about him a little bit today, but we'll review his season, and, and we'll discuss a little bit more about about where he fits, how he fits moving forward, and some potential replacements for him, if there are some in free agency, potentially cheaper. We'll see. All that will be tomorrow, and then we'll have a show Thursday afternoon, evening, uh, whenever that is. Uh, we will have that show up for you uh, when we can. There was a, an issue, technically, last week with the show, and, and that's my fault, and I apologize. Technology is great when it works and, and not when it doesn't. So we'll have two more shows this week. Tomorrow, the safeties review. And then Thursday, we'll get to news and all the things that you're wondering about, questions that you have. Send me those questions. I will try and answer them, not just on Twitter, but, but on here. I think Thursday is a good day to do a little bit of a mail ba- a mailbag of sorts. And so send me those questions at Peter underscore Bukowski, at Lockdown Packers. Follow the show at LockedOnPackers.com. We'll see you tomorrow, and stay Locked On Packers.